I'm Nicole Auerbach, and welcome to Coaches Clubhouse Season 2, The COVID Year. So far this season, we've heard how the pandemic shut down the NBA and college hoops and how it affected the plans and training for a gymnastics superstar. Today, we'll continue talking about the postponement of the Tokyo Summer Olympic Games with U.S. men's swim coach Dave Durden. Durden has been the head coach of the men's swim team at UC Berkeley since 2007, and in 2018, he took over the U.S. national team getting ready to shepherd one of the world's elite units into the 2020 Olympics. That all came to a halt last March when the COVID-19 pandemic forced the IOC to delay the Olympics by a year. Durden not only had to deal with figuring out how to keep his athletes healthy and safe, but also had to figure out how to find pools for them when lockdowns limited access to pools nationwide. You'll hear how they kept up their spirits, planned for the unforeseeable future, and coordinated training in the most surreal of circumstances. Olympic swimmers were literally swimming in lakes and neighbors' backyards. It's a true story. Now here's my conversation with Dave Durden. Walk us through exactly the moment when you first got word that the basketball tournaments were canceling, I mean, you know, the NBA, like everything started, all the dominoes started to fall and no one really knew what was coming next. Where were you? Who told you? What was your reaction? Yeah, so I was in, in Colorado Springs and this was probably about the week after our, um, our Pac-12 championships. Uh, our basketball team had played the, their first game in the, in the Pac-12 tournament uh, against Stanford. And... And I was on the pool deck in Colorado Springs. We had maybe a, a half dozen uh, guys that were out there training. This is something typical, uh, typical that we do uh, during this time, during this month of March, uh, with certainly our, our Olympic level professional athletes heading up to Colorado Springs. So I was sort of balancing the, uh, the, the, our, our college uh, program along with our uh, professional uh, uh, postgrad program at the time and just being on the, on the pool deck, it, you know, things started to, to happen. Now we were our own entity at that point in time, our, our sort of our men's California training group, but there was also the U S national team had a training camp up there and it was on happening on a daily basis where it was, Hey, um, you know, national teamers, this is what's going on. We're shutting things down. We're, we're condensing the camp. We're not allowing any more people in. If you're here, you're here. If you need to get out, you need to get out. I mean, it was, it started to like the, the dominoes started to fall, not affecting our, our training environment so much, but it was, uh, but it, it started to get a little bit unnerving. And, and then finally, once the, once the basketball tournament started uh, canceling, it was like, all right, our, our swimming championships are not going to happen. And, uh, just being, uh, being removed, being on a call, talking to our guys, talking to my assistant, Chase Kreitler back here in, in Berkeley, and just like, hey, we've got to stay, we've got to keep our guys on task. It hadn't been canceled just yet. And the women's uh, NC2A championships are a week before ours. And and the women's uh, the, the women were, were getting ready to travel. They were kind of moving into that weekend in which they were going to travel and, uh, and and head out to Athens, Georgia, to get ready to compete for an NC2A title. And and then once uh, that f final decision was made, um, I was in my uh, I was in my room um, out in Colorado Springs when that information uh, came out, and uh, just knowing some of the the, the dynamic of my uh, of my team, the, the first group that I called were our seniors that um, were, were were essentially uh, 
their their career was done. They're, they weren't going on to uh, an Olympic trials prep, et cetera. So, you, you know, their last swim was effectively, you know, a week ago or a week and a half ago, whatever that, that the timing was. And just calling those guys and, and letting them know, I, I, you know, I would have loved to have done that face to face, but, you know, being in a different state in a different time zone, uh, just made it a challenge to do that. And then it was sort of cycling that down to our NC2A team. And the conversation was a little bit different with that group, uh, because, of all, um, of those guys were still getting ready for either an Olympic trials or an Olympic games that was still on, that was still happening. So, you know, just having sort of two, two sets of conversations of, you know, one, Hey, completely sorry that this is the end of your swimming career. It's a, it's a phone call with a coach versus, um, you know, touching the wall in your last swim and knowing that, okay, it's, it, it's, you know, that's, that, that's my last swim as a collegiate. Uh, so, so very much different. And then, you know, talking to the guys that were, Hey, our NC2A championships are canceled, but we need to we need to pause, take a deep breath, and pivot and get ready for the Olympic trials or the Olympic Games for for our international athletes that have that had already qualified for the Olympic Games. So, um, you know, kind of a, a tale of two different conversations, and and uh, and it was just uh, and, and then at the same time, like working with our uh, you know with our postgrads with our you know best of the best our, our olympians our gold medalists our world championship medalists you know just trying to come to the pool deck and it's like yeah hey that that sucks you know that our nc2a championships were canceled they're very much you know in, in integrated into what we do in a, in a collegiate setting they, they they've been through our these are all cow guys that have come through from freshmen to seniors that come through our, our system and so they're very much in, in, invested in in our guys and having success at that meet and, but, you know, we're coming to the pool deck, we've got to have a great workout. And, and so it was, um, as a coach, you go through those range of ranges of emotions and man, at the end of the day, I was tired. <laughs> it's like, you, you know, trying to keep guys, uh, guys that I was working with right there and right then and there fired up, motivated, ready to go to Olympic trials. When, when the questions start to come in their head, like, okay, is this going to happen this year? What's going on, et cetera, trying to keep them, them moving forward keeping our, our college guys, Hey, that, that's a, that is a tough blow, but we have a moral and social responsibility that's greater than our own athletic responsibility. And we're going to take care of that right now and continue to press on and continue to train for trials in the Olympic games. We're going to do that. And then it's that group of guys like, man, Hey, I'm sorry. Like this is, I know this is not how you want it to end your swimming career. You want it to end your swimming career at an NC2A championships, have a great race. However, you had it pictured in your mind. Uh, we wanted that to happen for you as well. And, uh, and, and you didn't get to, to, to see it to fruition. So um, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was the, the, you know, just those three different groups that we had to, to kind of keep motivated and keep going uh, was, was a challenge on that day. And I, um, you know, I can't even remember the, the, the exact day that it was, but um, you know, I, I, I do remember it was a, it was a, it was a day in which I kind of sat back at the end of the day and was like, whew. <laughs> that, that was a lot uh, to, to move through on a, uh, on a particular day. Yeah, I think that, you know, for, for our listeners who, who maybe aren't as well versed with, you know, kind of how swimming works, um, 
Can you just speak to like the dual roles that, you know, obviously you were named the head coach of the Olympic team. You've been an assistant on the Olympic team before, like how that works in concert with also coaching a collegiate program. And then, as you mentioned, you've had guys, you have, you have your post-grad group that also trains at Cal's facilities. Um, you know, it's, when I first started covering swimming, I, I remember trying to keep track of all of that because, you know, obviously in certain sports, um, you know, or, you know, cover college and then pros, it's like this clear, like, you know, delineation. And um, I think it's really cool that post-grads stay and train with their college coaches and, and kind of have that community. But, but how does that all work when you're wearing so many different hats in general, like not even in crazy times? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it just takes a lot of planning. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's one thing for our, for our post-grad guys, for our professional athletes to train with our college guys uh, to be, you know, in a, in a normal, you know, non-COVID, just normal training cycle. I mean, I, I think our, our pros get the benefit of that, that the professional swimming community is so small and the college swimming community is a lot bigger. And, and one of the challenges with our sport is, is keeping you know, keeping things um, in a yeah, probably the, the best way to say it is, it is is it keeping it very fresh for our guys that have been around the block a couple times, you know, that they've been representing Team USA for 10, 12 years now. And it's and the, the great thing about the college system is you have these precocious 18 year olds, you know, coming into your system every, you know, every year. And they're bringing that excitement to, yes, you know, I get to train with these guys and I get to race these guys. And it's just a, you know, new personality, you know, new, new stories. I mean, even, um, it, you know, I, I look at some of our, some of our freshmen that are uh, in our, you know, quote unquote, in our sprint group uh, here at Cal now, you know, Forrest Frazier, a, a, a Bjorn Siegler, there's like, they, they bring their uh, unique, uh, experiences to the table. And it's fun for, you know, a Nathan Adrian who's 31 years old, just to listen to, to these guys talk. And it's, and, you know, it makes that environment that much more enjoyable. If you had to train with the same people for a four year cycle and that cycle and that group of people, that environment doesn't change with the personalities. It's a grind. It's tough. I mean, they, the personalities can wear on each other. So to sprinkle in uh, that new blood, that those fresh faces, it's great for our older guys to have that. So what we try to do, uh, you know, in a cultural environment uh, perspective is to keep is to keep that fresh. And but also at the same time, our professional postgrad athletes are on a different training cycle. They're uh, they're they're getting ready for an Olympic trials specifically and not an NC2A championships and then heading into an Olympic trials. So we have to keep, you know, what they're doing uh, and, and they're, and they're racing in a, in a long course meter format. They're racing in a 50 meter pool versus a 25 yard pool. And, and while the training benefits of that can really benefit them, uh, we have to do things specific for them that are going to help them perform their best in a 50 meter long course pool. So very much different than a 25 yard short course pool. And again, there's some training benefits that, that, that go over into the 50 meter course, but we have to be very aware of that. And so there's certain times of the year where we pull them out. Uh, certainly when we're with our college team, when we're trying to, to, to rest and, and get our guys towards their peak performance, I mean, our college guys may be in the water for 45 minutes to an hour. And if our postgrads, professional guys are in the water and, and they see, anytime you see, you know, kind of a group, <laughs> finish their workout, get done and walk out. And you kind of, 
you know, notice the clock's like, man, I've, I've got to go another hour, another 45 minutes of training. <laughs> it's, it's tough on those guys mentally. It's, it's tough to kind of refocus and, and get going again. You can do that once or twice, but to do that over a given two week, three week cycle is, is a, is a challenge. So we try and pull them out of that environment, get them in a spot where they're, where they need to be uh, training at their, you know, full capacity while our college guys are getting ready for their peak performance, which is going to look a lot less, a lot sharper, a lot more fun. They're, you know, kind of laughing and joking and our, and our older guys need to be, need to be grinding at that point in time. So it's a, it's a, it's a big challenge, uh, you know, for any college coach to, to, to wear those, to wear those two hats, but, you know, certainly within a, within the Olympic year, our program understands that our, our focus is on our Olympic trials, our Olympic level athletes. We want to make sure that, that we're taking care of that group. And that's by and large why, you know, after our conference championship, I was on a plane out to Colorado Springs uh, to take care of that group, uh, set them up for a good uh, training cycle uh, through that first week of their training and, and then come back uh, to, to Berkeley and, and take care of our NC2A team heading into their NC2A championships. So, um, you know, I, and I think if I'm trying to remember correctly, I think you probably have in your office, I think I've been in your office before, uh, a four, it's a four-year calendar, right. For, for Olympic athletes, like literally when you talk about the Olympics getting postponed, that throws off, like you guys have been training, you've had your athletes gearing towards a 2020 Olympics for four years. Is that correct? Correct. Absolutely. Correct. And so when we, when it gets postponed for a year, um, and then you, you, you know, in a, in a normal, you know, sort of cycle, if it gets postponed for a year, fine, no problem. You kind of sit back, you know, I look at the calendar. It's like, okay, I move everything to 2021. I start working backwards from 2021, but I, the, you know, then it's the, the, the challenges get thrown at you with, okay, it's uh, postponed for a year, but you're not going to be able to get into your facility for it, it, you know, for the immediate foreseeable future you know that may be that may be one month um you know what it turned out to be was four months uh you're not going to be able to get into your facility you're not going to have access to your weight room you're not going to have access uh to your training room you're not going to have access uh to some things that you do recovery wise massage therapy chiropractic work etc okay you're not going to have access to that um and we don't know when you're going to have access to that so hey good luck go figure it out and so it that that all those challenges sort of sort of add up, and uh, you, you know, you, you you go to a pool deck, uh, you know, forty five minutes away from campus. Uh, that instead of is is a uh, you know eight lane fifty meter pool is a uh, four lane twenty five yard pool, and he's instead of having you know forty guys in your in your dynamic, you have all of a sudden four guys in your in sort of your 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 training group, and you're cycling through these groups of four guys uh, over a period of time and telling them, I don't know when the Olympic trials are going to be. I don't know when the Olympic games are going to be, but we're going to still stay uh, still training towards uh, next summer and, and get yourself ready to go. Cause I did have it down on my calendar on March 24th, we were out of the water and, and that was the, the, uh, and I think the, the decision came either that day or, or the next day on March 25th that, uh, okay, we're, we're, we're taking a pause or, or pulling out or whether it was the U S OPC's letter to, to the IOC, whatever it was at that point in time, you know, I think we were just a day ahead of it where it's like, okay, we can't keep doing this. This isn't a healthy sort of cycle for our guys, but 
you know, as we transitioned back into the water, we were sort of piecing this puzzle together. The, 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 the slate was blank and, and, and each sort of week um, uh, and, and maybe each two to three week cycle, we were able to get, you know, another piece of the puzzle to put together uh, to, to sort of see what we were working with. And, you know, it's one thing to put a puzzle together where you know what it's supposed to look like. It's another thing to put a, put a puzzle together and you're just like, you have no idea what it looks like. And you're just trying to fit the pieces that you do have in there. And then all of a sudden, okay, there, there's the picture of what it's supposed to look like. You're like, oh, okay, you know, now I can see it. You know, now I understand it. But that's what we were working with. We were, you know, we were getting a piece at a time and trying to figure out where it went within this big puzzle without knowing what the, what the puzzle was supposed to look like at the end of the day. I remember talking to um, to Nathan, Adrian, as you mentioned earlier, about that period before the games were postponed. Um, and I, I can't imagine the anxiety of that, right? Because as you're describing it, these are athletes who have nowhere to train, really, at this point, wondering if they're still supposed to have Olympic trials and then still have the Olympics in that year. Um, how were they approaching that mentally because like you said I mean just not knowing or the, the 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 tug of war of like yes or no like I imagine that that might have been maybe the most challenging part of of the whole process and maybe when or or maybe not maybe maybe it's now I, I don't know what was that like mentally for them yeah I mean I think as an athlete I mean it's probably the same thing I'm experiencing I, I was experiencing as a coach You're, you look for leadership at that point in time you know you you look for someone to say listen this is where this is where we are. This is where we're headed. Uh, you know, this is what we're doing. And, you know, so as a swimmer, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to their coach to say, okay, you know, how does this look? And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, to, to paint the picture for them, like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going. And at, at the same time, I'm looking up to our, our leadership and saying, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> you know, and, and at some point in time, you have to make a decision, uh, you know, maybe ahead of leadership or ahead of, uh, you know, the folks that, um, you know, and, and certainly at the highest, highest level uh, in terms of the uh, International Olympic Committee, you have to make a decision ahead of them. It's like, okay, what we're doing right now and trying to keep this train on the tracks is ridiculous. We need to pause for a second. We're going to give it a couple days and let, you know, let sort of the, the, the politics, the money, whatever it is, you know, that surrounds an Olympic Games. We're going to let that play out and, and see what direction it's going to go. And, and then we're going, to, we're, we're going to put together a plan in place. And that plan, you know, may take, you know, may take a week or two to sort of, you know, get going. But uh, we're, we, we just finally hit the pause button because it was too much, you know. And this was at a point in time when, uh, when I, I believe like the Australians had pulled out, the Canadians had pulled out. I mean, st different, um, uh, different delegations, uh, different national governing bodies were pulling we're pulling their athletes out. Uh, we hadn't quite gotten gotten to that decision yet. Uh, we hadn't quite put the put the pressure on the United States or the uh, International Olympic Committee to say, "Hey, we're we're concerned about this." Um, but you could kind of see the writing on the wall, and and the and the level of anxiety was really at an all time high. And it's like, well, these these countries are pulling out. These national governing bodies are pulling out. What are we doing? And uh, you, you know, it, it just took. Uh, it, 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 we kind of hit our breaking point. You know, we hit our breaking point on March 23rd, where it's like, okay, we're going to take a deep breath. We're going to just going to pause and we're going to see how this, how this week goes. And then once we, we get some in, and then once that final decision was made, 
my God, it was relief, right? It was absolute relief where it's like, thank you. We can, we can all uh, take a deep breath. I, I've heard athletes and coaches alike say, oh, it's like, okay, we can hit the reset button. And it wasn't necessarily the reset button for us. It was because I, I love where we were. I love, you know, where we were, where we were at that point in time in our training. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to reset back. It was more of just like, let's, let's take a deep breath. Let's, let's use this week to recover mentally, emotionally. And, and, and then, and then we can start to, to, to move forward uh, physically and, and getting ourselves prepared for 2021. So when you're, you're named, you know, the head coach of the men's team, um, obviously I think it's, it's super clear when you come out of trials and you actually have your team and your roster, right? Like what your responsibilities are when it's something like this, or even in the lead up to trials, obviously you train certain professional athletes and certain college athletes, but like in this situation, are you checking in with guys who train all over the country? Like how do you approach that when, again, it's like, there hasn't been the actual team decided yet yeah that's a tough that's always a tough balance because you know you, you start to run into uh, checking in on a handful of athletes and then maybe not checking in on others and and it's sort of that uh that sort of um <laughs> you, you know you fast forward a year and it's just like well you checked on all these guys but you didn't check in on me do you not care about me and it's like you know i i think our our system is set up in such a way um, you know, kind of a kind of a you know around the country where uh, we are fortunate to have great training programs, phenomenal coaches that are coaching phenomenal athletes, and and we go into a trials and we try and you know beat each other up for you know seven eight days, and we come out of that stronger as a unit. Then we come out of that Olympic trials with our with our team, and that's really where we get to work as as an Olympic coaches. Uh, and, and, and really just, you know, kind of forging the, the best team going into a Tokyo games or, you know, in 16, a Rio games or in 12, a London games. Um, but it's just more just checking in with, with coaches. And, and, you know, I, I did have some coaches check in with me, which was awesome, <laughs> you know, because you, you feel like you're out here on this Island. It's like, well, damn, you know, I, my struggles and my concerns are the same struggles and concerns and anxieties as, as any other U S coach around there at that point in time, we're trying to find water. We're trying to find, you know, where we can do strength work with our athletes. We're trying to find, uh, you know, the resources that our athletes need at this point in time, whether that's, uh, from a physical therapy pr uh, perspective or, you know, a you know, mental emotional support at that point in time. I mean, it's, it's a lot. And so we're, we're trying to do, uh, you know, sort of, you know, triage on, on each part of our program and whether that's through the, the, the individuals within our program or, or the specific parts of our program and, and making sure that they're getting what they need during this time. And, you know, as a college coach, it's, um, it's, it's thinking about our international student athletes that are here right now. And, you know, we're having parts of the world uh, shut down. It's like, okay, how do we handle this with our international student athletes? Do we get them home right now uh, so that they can get home and, and be around family during this time? Or, or do we keep them here, see how it plays out? What did, so, what did they end up doing? Uh, we had a little bit of both. We had a, we had a lot of our, our guys, you know, get home. Uh, a couple of our guys from Spain get home. A uh, one of our swimmers from Singapore get home. Uh, we had a, uh, a swimmer from uh, Switzerland who, who stayed here with, with one of our families, uh, uh, fairly local and, and just, you know, sort of see how it played out. And then he got home. I mean, it, it, it's just, it was working through a bunch of individual situations. And then, you know, that was the international piece. And then we started to experience that 
um, domestically. Like, okay, do we get some of these guys home domestically because they may not be able to chance, uh, not be able to have a chance to get home. You know, we had or or even that. like, obviously Berkeley has been very strict, right? Like, Absolutely. so. Absolutely. How do we handle this? And so, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's one thing to, to think about this in a, you know, from a country perspective and like, okay, you know, what do, you know, what do athletes around the country need to hear? I'm trying to handle that with our 30, you know, plus guys on our team and, and like, geez, this is a, this is a big challenge. So it was nice when, when coaches would reach out and say, okay, how are you doing? You you know, I mean, that, that's kind of the, you know, the tough piece of this. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was reaching out to my counterpart on the women's side, Greg, and and just like, okay, how are you doing? How are you, how, how are you moving through this? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So it, yeah, it, it's tough. It was taken, it was taking a toll on everyone and, and it was taking a toll on us as, as head Olympic coaches. I mean, we had planned for an Olympic games in 2020 and it was taking a toll on our, on our family as well. Cause obviously we had some plans post Olympics that uh, with our families to kind of, okay, we're going to be gone for six weeks or however gone, however long we're gone. Now we're going to, you know, kind of take a little time away and, and sort of plug back into some family things. And, now that got that got moved around, switched around. So it, it, it's a it's a lot, and and we were you know working through that together as the you know head men's head women's Olympic coach. Uh, uh, so you know when you ask your questions like okay what what is it, what was I doing with the athletes like I was spending a lot of time trying to manage my own situation, <laughs> which you know yeah. we were spending you know a good uh, you know eight ten twelve hours a day trying to think through that and what we could do to to help our own athletes during this time. So when, um, at what point were they able, like a guy like Ryan Murphy, like when was he able to, cause I know there have been actual competitions, there have been actual meets. Um, when did that become a possibility where like the, the elite athletes could actually kind of at least get some, you know, experience and in, in, in these settings with other elite athletes again? Yeah. I mean, the, the, when we started planning, um, planning that out, I mean, uh, you know, the, the first thing was looking at can we salvage something at the end of the summer? You know, can we look at having something in August to get our athletes together uh, to have to have competition? And and we were, you know, as as that was uh, as the probability of that was becoming less and less, we started shifting our idea of racing into October, um, and we wanted to use the the month of normally in a in a normal cycle. Uh, especially in the summertime, our guys are trained and conditioned to race at the end of summer. And whether that's at the end of July or at the first of August, that's what they have done for years, decades. Uh, that's how they have prepared their season. And so when we got to, or as we got closer to the end of the summer, or as we, uh, you know, sort of, sort of bridged into the middle of June or, or the uh, first of July and realized, okay, this is probably not going to happen. Uh, it's probably not going to happen for us to step up and race in the middle of August, uh, not going to step up and race, uh, you know, in the, in the first of September, let's go ahead and push through with our training. You know, and normally we would be resting, preparing in the month of July, getting ready to race, race at the end of July, first of August, take a week, take seven days just to kind of catch our breath and slowly get back in the training. And, and we, we really wanted our training to be maximized now at the end of July, middle of August, um, you know, end of August through September, uh, and, and then really target the, the month of October to start racing. 
Um, and that sort of lined up really well with what was provided through the International Swimming League uh, in the month of October, where, okay, it's, it's going to take not only our country's best, but some of the world's best, get them in a, you know, a quote unquote bubble, uh, you know, a, you know, semi-porous bubble, you know, it wasn't quite uh, the, you know, the NBA lockdown bubble, but we're going to get them in a spot where they can race. And so it was a little different mentality for our guys to sort of press through, through July, through August, through September. And, 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 you know, the month of September, we were, we were cranking in, in terms of what we were doing and, and then look at the month of October, uh, the middle end of October to kind of get up and, and let our guys race for a little bit and then move a training cycle uh, in, into the end of November through December. I mean, that, that's, you know, was sort of our focus uh, during that time, it was, it's different and, and it's hard to kind of, you know, for swimmers that have done this for decades to wrap their mind around, okay, this is all going to shift around a little bit, but as we talk through it and as we, you know, sort of, again, sort of paint that picture for our athletes or put the puzzle together for our athletes, they see, okay, this is where we're heading. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And this is going to be a peak time for us to, to wrap our, wrap our hands around training that we're going to, we're going to go at the end of November. We're going to go through the month of December and, and, and we're going to be, you know, from a training capacity, be at, you know, a hundred percent by the time we get to the middle of, uh, middle of December, where normally we'd be ramping that up again. So it, it's been different, but I mean, our guys have done a very good job with that over the past, you know, three or four months and, and handling that and understanding where we're headed and understanding what they're doing. So, so obviously, you know, we don't all quite know exactly what, um, you know, how 2021 is going to play out. Um, but like from a training cycle standpoint, I'm sure it's not as simple as literally just like copy and pasting everything that would have been on the calendar and certain dates for 2020 into 2021. So like, how do you shift that? But then still, again, like you're describing, get them to peak at the right time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it was really kind of using the, you know, using the, the, the different races that we had the opportunity to to partake in, in October and November, seeing where our uh, athletes are, and then sort of tweak the training around that through December through January. And and that's a normal training cycle for us anyway. So it's not a huge, um, a huge difference Uh, for a lot of our guys that, that raced uh, in the international swim league. um, it's not a, it's not too different of what we would normally be doing. We, we would keep a, a little more of a short course focus in the, in the months of September, October, November. That's what they're doing right now, sprinkling a couple of long course experiences. And then as, as the calendar year, um, you know, flips into, into January, it's looking at, you know, very strategically those long course races that we want to hit. Now, the challenge is, is getting together as a country and find out where everybody is going to go, where everybody is going to step up and race uh, at various places around the country and making sure that we're getting our athletes there because I do think having that race experience is important. And we, we don't want to be on a spot as we get to our Olympic trials. And it's like, it's the first time that we sort of raced each other. And, and I speak, I speak for, you know, our guys, but I'd also speak for other coaches and saying, okay, we've, we've got to, we've got to figure out how we can uh, get together as a group and, and step up and race. So we're working on that right now and, and to make sure that we have some times uh, leading into trials where some of the best of our best uh, have the opportunity to race each other. Um, so no, it's not a cut and paste. It is, it is taking some of the, um, 
some of the things that we did well in the the May June July time frame, even into August, and and understanding what what we did in a in a, in a racing uh, uh, environment in October November, and then applying that to, to to really to training into into December January February March, and make sure that we're ready to go into June. So. Um, you know, we're in the midst of a, of an important, uh, training cycle, but at least we have some information from racing in October and November that we can take into this cycle to really improve on and to get our guys ready to go. You certainly can't as a swimmer be at a spot where you just, you know, train for six months and then, uh, okay, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna race and, and, and hope to God it, it works. Uh, you, you have to have these little moments where, you get feedback from your training, uh, tweak the training cycle a little bit, and then uh, you know see you know just kind of refine that all the way leading into into the Olympic trials. It, it seems like it's a really interesting time to be in the in the role that you are. Like, just let's ignore the pandemic for a second, but just where American men swimming is, um, and and you have so many emerging swimmers that you know I, I think you know obviously everyone knew Michael Phelps right and um you know guys like Ryan for example and and some of the the guys who are going to be the faces or are the faces of American men swimming um have emerged and and there is this not not quite a changing of the guard because obviously it was happening in Rio and it's been happening but what is it I mean, what is it like and mean and feel like for American men swimming right now where you you had you know one person really dominating um, and bringing so much spotlight and interest on the sport. But now you have, you know, all of these different swimmers, some of them are, have all these different specialties. Um, but it's really just like this, this group of male swimmers that I don't know if we've been waiting for them, but like maybe it's their turn now in the spotlight. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if, you know, America, if the United States has, the opportunity to get to know the the people behind these performances. It, it's easy to, to to get to know the person, uh, you, you know, and we've gotten to know him even even better now. In in, in retirement, Michael Phelps. I mean, you, you you get to hear of his struggles, uh, you know, leading into um, you know leading into uh, into Beijing, leading into London, leading into into Rio, and it. Uh, I, I mean, as a as a fan and you know, you, you sit back and it's like, you root for him, right? I mean, you absolutely root for him. I mean, you're rooting for him as a person more so in Rio than as a performer where you, you know, where we were in 2008, we were rooting for him as a performer to win eight gold medals, to see that uh, historic moment. And then we started to root for him as a person in 2016. And I think that we have, um, uh, some tremendous personalities and people now as we head into 2021 that uh, as we head into the Olympic games and the Olympic trials, if, if we can stop for a second as a, as a country and get to know these people and know, you know, where they come from. I mean, I, I, uh, and, and know their, know, know their challenges and know their hardships. I mean, I, I, I know as a country, we've, we're going through these challenges. We're going through these hard, uh, hardships, you know, to hear the stories of these swimmers doing that over the past years, you know, swimming in lakes, uh, swimming in, you know, three feet deep water, swimming in, in any piece of, you know, water that they could do to, to have the opportunity to represent the United States and to get on the podium. Like, how can you not root for that? You know, and, and 
I feel it is these shared experiences that, uh, that we are going through as a country or even as we're going through as a sport. Like no one has had it perfect. No one has had it great. We've had to figure this out. We've had to, you know, push cars up hills to get some of our dry land training in. I mean, we've had to do things in a unique way in order to in order to have that American flag on the side of our caps as we go into Tokyo. And how can you not root for for this group of men that are representing the United States? And that's the that's the special thing about this particular Olympic team is the the things that they've had to go through in order to get on this Olympic team is going to be unlike any other in any other Olympic Games. And one, they need to be proud of that. But two, our country needs to be proud of them uh, as they're going into Tokyo for the things that they had to do to get to this spot in their career. Were guys really training in like three feet of water? Yeah, <laughs> I know our guys were. We were at, uh, <laughs> we were swimming in a little uh, in a little kind of teaching pool with some of our guys. We had to figure it out, you know, and and do and do what we had to do. So wow. uh, we had all sorts of different things uh, kind of set up and squared away. So I I, I know uh, you know people were buying. Uh, uh, you know, sort of endless pools or, or pools that they could set up in their backyard and swimming in, in a stationary way just to keep feel going. So, wow. I mean, it was all sorts of stuff that uh, that, that folks were doing over, uh, you know, over the last year in order to get themselves to the spot to represent Team USA. Before before I let you go, um, I did want to get your thoughts because because again, this is sort of like about swimming as a whole, right? And about like the future of the sport. And and I know that one thing that's been really really difficult across the board has been seeing swimming and diving programs get cut at, at, at certain colleges. As um, you know, obviously they're making tough decisions. Just how concerned are you about when when that is the sport that gets on the chopping block at some of these places? I mean, I, I imagine that you know it's. I know that there's these alumni groups trying to fight these cuts for because these programs mean so much to people, but it's just such college swimming is just such an important pipeline for Olympic results for, for our country. Yeah. And it, it sort of expands. And I know it's, you know, asking the question specifically to swimming and diving it expands certainly to Olympic sports that, you know, there is a, and there should be a concern amongst Olympic sport coaches, United States Olympic committee, United States, the USOPC, just looking back and seeing how, uh, you know, how this is, is playing out. Uh, it should be, you know, a, a huge concern. And, you know, I, I think there, there are creative ways um, uh, to, to keep, you know, our, our sports thriving and not even keeping them surviving, but keeping them thriving and, and putting athletes you never know where the next olympic gold medalist will end up uh, you'll never know where the next olympic medalist will end up and and you know there are certainly uh athletes that have won olympic medals uh in in, in a recent games not, not even you know going back uh you know three four five olympic games ago but going back one two olympic games ago and their sport is no long no longer exists um, at the at the institution in which they competed for, uh, in which they competed for them, and that's that's disappointing. And it's um, you know I, I I'm I'm not sitting in the chair of an of an athletic director by any stretch of the imagination, and and knowing the challenges they're associated with. But uh, I, I think with anything, it, it just takes a, a shared um, 
you know, sort of a, a shared solution, a sitting back and saying, okay, how can we look at this differently? How can we do this better? How can we, you know, do this maybe with, um, you know, with, with less resources than before. It's like, we're having to figure that out as coaches. You know, I talked about swimming in a, you know, three feet water, you know, uh, people swimming stationary in a backyard pool, you know, we're, we're figuring out how to get this done, how to still have optimal performance uh, with our athletes without having the same resources. That should be the same, you know, role and goal of an athletic director. It's like, okay, how can we do this uh, at the same level without the same resources? That's been asked of us during this pandemic as coaches. You know, we may not have access to our facilities, our locker rooms, our training rooms, our weight rooms, but how can we still get uh, peak performance? How can we still get optimal performance out of our athletes during this time? And um, and and really, you know, as a coach and and as any coach out there, you know, looks at their team, it's like failure is not an option. <laughs> you know, it's just like we're not we're not going to be denied success uh, with our athletes. And, you know, I, I think uh, it should be the same at, at, at an administrative level. It's like, OK, we're not going to be denied success. And success is having a robust um, athletic program with multiple sports, not 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 cutting sports not i mean i'm not looking at at our team and saying all right i you know we can only do it with uh 15 guys 15 guys or the you know 20 guys you're out of here that's not that's not it it's we're figuring this thing out considering the resources that are given to us and you 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 just hope that um and and you almost you know demand that uh administrators athletic directors do the same thing like failure is not an option and cutting sports is not an option. It's just not. We're going to figure out how to get this done with the resources that we have. And, uh, you know, again, that's what's being asked of us as coaches. And, and dang it, we're figuring it out. So um, in addition to all of the stress and all of the hats that you've been wearing, um, have you picked up any quarantine hobbies, any new skills, <laughs> find any new great, great, you know, lines of wine? I mean, like what, what, what has... <laughs> What, what have you actually done when you're not on Zooms or calls or you're figuring out who can push a truck to train? Yeah, I don't know if it uh, if, if I've picked up anything new. I maybe enhanced some vices uh, over the uh, <laughs> during quarantine, which is not a good thing. Uh, you, you know, it's um, I, I, I can't think of one thing that uh, has been different, has been uh, has been better. You know, there was certainly a time when uh uh you, you know kind of you know where i live and and uh and the only kind of outdoor activity that we could do uh was either golf or pickleball so i've become a i've become a a, a mean pickleballer with my uh with my wife nice. and uh, that uh that has been uh you know the the one thing that uh, that we've picked up probably probably my wife more so than me she is uh has kind of joked about it that uh, she has the exact date when she uh, started into the sport of pickleball, and uh, and her goal is when she is uh, she is eighty years old uh, to still be you know out there tearing it up on the pickleball court. So when someone comes up and asks her like, "Hey, how long have you been playing pickleball?" She can say, "Oh, forty years," you know. So that that that's sort of her long term goal. Uh, and, and that's something that has been picked up uh, during. Quarantine. I, I think. I think the the next effort needs to be to make pickleball an olympic sport yeah. that really would be the next chapter that would of this. be the next thing and, <laughs> and, and you know shoot who knows maybe i'll be a 
a two-time Olympic coach, one in swimming and one in pickleball. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be a long-term goal for me. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dave, thanks so much for uh, for making some time and, and chatting with us. This was great. Um, I can't even imagine what you guys have been going through. So I hope um, things stay open. I hope things can go as smoothly as possible heading I into trials. I, I, know. I am. I am now probably one of the longest named Olympic swimming coaches <laughs> in the history. Just, yeah. just keep things, things going. I'm just going to, I'm going to hold on to that title. And, cool. uh, you know, it, I, I always joke with, with Greg, me and my counterpart that we, that we planned for one Olympic games in 2020. And now we're working through planning for our second one in 2021. I, I don't want to plan through a third one uh, in as many years. So uh, we're, uh, you know, we, we, we feel fortunate that, that we had the experience of working through one already. Now we're working through a second one, uh, which has, which has had its, uh, had its benefits, uh, to, to, yeah. to kind of think through it. So it's been good. Do you, like, do you think, um, are you confident that like, it'll happen? I guess, I guess they could always, they could always like fly in all the athletes and quarantine them for two right. weeks. I mean, in too. looking at how competitions are happening around the world right now and seeing how the international swim league was run. Uh, for that six-week period out right they've been in Hungary is that right Budapest correct Correct. so like it can get done and and I feel confident that it can be done it can be done at a high level it's it may not look like the Olympics that we have watched and and uh, and loved for um, you know for years and years but if a football season can happen if a basketball season can happen if a baseball season can happen we can we can pull off we can pull off an Olympic games and and um I, I believe that. I believe we can do it. it it's going to take, you know, the right people in the room looking around to see how we can and keep it safe. We can keep our athletes safe, uh, we, but we can do it. I mean, we yeah. can absolutely do it. So I feel confident about that, that it's going to happen. It's going to go and, uh, and, and we're going to, uh, you know, put some athletes up there on the podium and, and put some athletes out there in front of the, uh, in, in front of the, you know, Team USA or in front of the United States, you know, viewership and that they're going to yeah. fall in love with because, that's you always like- that's always the craziest thing to me, you know. Like I, I remember writing so many stories about Katie Ledecky, and it was like this is the best athlete in the world. Nobody reads it. Nobody reads it. It takes one race, and then the entire country just falls in love with someone, right? Like absolutely. <laughs> like absolutely. And then like you know that name and that person forever. Like it yeah. just it's it, you know it takes that window, and then um, everyone just wants they just want to read and see everything they possibly can about all these guys. But it's like, you know, I mean, like Ryan, Caleb, like there's a lot of these really just people aren't paying attention because it's, you know, not the Olympics yet, but like doing some really good stuff. I mean, so I, I think that stuff's cool. And, um, it's funny you mentioned Nathan being 31 now, because I remember I'm the same age as him. And I remember covering him in London. And, you know, my editor would send me to go to the Today Show to like hang around the, you know, whatever, grab people after they went on. And so I was talking to him and I think we were talking about um, the Spice Girls were going to do the closing ceremony. So he wanted to stay for that, whatever. And at the end of the interview, he's like, thank you for not asking me if I was about to retire. He's like, people keep asking me. And I'm like, I'm only 23. And I was like, I'm only 23. I'm not going to ask you if you should <laughs> yeah. retire. So that was like yeah. a running joke for a while, but he's, he's the best. And I'm so excited about um, the baby and all of that. So absolutely. It's another, another phase of his life, which is, yeah. Uh, which is also crazy when you train, like you're saying, you train 18 year olds and then you have dads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have dads. I have married guys. Uh, yeah. the good thing about coaching dads and coaching married guys is my, my jokes 
tend to uh, hit home a little bit, uh, a little bit better with them. The 18 year olds don't get it, but the, the guys that are married, the guys that have kids, uh, you, you know, they, 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 they get it that much more. So that's good. That was my conversation with Dave Durden. You can find every episode of Coach's Clubhouse on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. SiriusXM Podcasts.